Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is Sunday Recap, the weekly, well, I guess it hasn't been a few weeks, but the weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast, where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. For more recordings of our sermons and the rest of our podcasts, visit begrace.org slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org. I'm Joey Cologne. I'm Chris Webster. I'm Jim Wilson. I'm Dave McMurray. Welcome back. We have four weeks of sermons to talk about, so this is going to be a long one. We're in it for the long haul. So if you'll turn your notes to four weeks ago. um, (laughs) Jim is about to pull out his notes. He's like, I got this. All right, let's go. We we needed one of those uh, old-fashioned time travel sounds for maybe like a blur. There you go. Imagine that. They don't have to imagine it. We did it with our mouths. We did. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Well, we're just going to talk about this week. But I think before we talk about the sermon, we have to hear what everybody did for their snow day. If you're not in Central Texas and you somehow don't know, but you watch our stuff, it snowed a lot yesterday. My estimate is on the ground... At like five or six p.m., I probably had three inches. I don't yeah. know. What do you guys think you had? Yeah, probably. Yeah, more than that because we were higher elevation. Everything was still covered when I left this morning. Wow. Um, yeah, right yeah. now ours is starting to melt. But I mean, we have a giant snowman. We did sledding on cookie sheets. Thank you, Christy Hammond, for the idea. Um. <laughs> uh, I mean, snowball fights, trampoline was covered. We did a, a lot of snowy day activities. Mm-hmm. We did cocoa and cider and snowmen mm-hmm. and a snow fort. Ooh, we nice. got like a four four foot. Well, we tried to make an igloo, but we ended up having to put a sheet all over the top. But we were mm-hmm. close. And sledding and snowballs. Um, I think that was the main. Yeah. It was happy. Cider and a fire in the fireplace, too. That was ah, we didn't, yeah. Oh, wait. We did snow ice cream, too. Oh, we that did that, too. Well, snow yes, cones, good job. We put <laughs> condensed milk over it. Our kids were very excited. This is the first time my kids have seen real snow. Oh, yeah. It was funny because right before the service, I got a text from Brooke because the weather channel kept changing it. And I got a text from Brooke that it had started snowing just a little bit. And Henry, our youngest, had started putting his shoes on. And then by the time he got them on, it had all melted. Oh. So he was just like crying in the corner. <laughs> Luckily, it was a happy ending to this story. But yeah, <laughs> it was almost a very sad day. I mean, we had legit rollable snow. Like, we were able mm-hmm. to roll it up like a carpet and make snow. Uh-huh. It was real it was snow. Nice. It was beautiful. We sat by the fire and watched it and chatted basically all afternoon. I'm just kind of hung out. We didn't play in the snow, though. You didn't go Jim, did you and Diane play in the snow? Wait, we didn't no, Diane was really adverse about snowballs and things like that, so we just burned a lot of firewood. Mm. My mother made a snowman with her neighbor, and <laughs> she's about to turn 82, so I was very impressed with her. So. Mm. That's nice. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I guess we have to talk about the sermon and can't talk about snow all day, huh? (laughs) I guess the other thing about snow, I think, is a lot of businesses and schools are closed right now. So I'm Mm. expecting there actually to be live people watching right now, but I don't know if that's true or not. Most of the time we do this, we get like Jennifer Riley watching and nobody else. So we'll see. Way to go, Jennifer. see who else is there with us watching live. You could comment and stuff and we may or may not see it. Because we don't watch the comments during when we're live. We don't watch it. <laughs> don't watch it. So don't, do it. don't look. Yes, we do not multitask. No, no, not us. <laughs> All right. Well, this week we are in between series, in between semi-series even, right? So we had our big series, went into Advent, and then we're kind of we're on a little break. And then now we're in a two-week series on Imago Day. The image of God. Somebody's at my door. If somebody walks in, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Imago Dei, image of God. First week, 
this week was on life and next week is on what is it like social justice uh yeah ethnicity unity honoring the memory of martin luther king jr mm-hmm. okay so two-week miniseries and then you go into a new another short series too right on jude is that a short one uh four weeks i think Maybe four weeks four weeks is short yeah and then we've got eight to ten weeks in philippians so i know you don't like what i'm too eight exact, to so. 16 <laughs> weeks yeah somewhere in there maybe maybe 12 weeks i don't know dave likes to pretend that he doesn't organize everything and know what he's doing but he really will have a week by week layout probably already does Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I have it laid out. I just don't remember exact things. I remember like, it's like in this range. That's just kind of how my brain remembers. So on paper I somewhere, you know that it's 8 things. or it's 9 or 10, but you're just telling us 8 to 10 because you don't know off the top of your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, you, you just, can you start telling us the length in trimesters? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was just when we were having babies. I just remember that like... First women trimester. always knew the exact like specifically he's 13.5 weeks old and, and the guys are like um half a year <laughs> he's a year he's less than a year i don't know one so, third of a pregnancy <laughs> yes this next this next series will be one third of a pregnancy that's exactly <laughs> how you should put it i think it's gonna work you're welcome <laughs> Right. Well, you can uh, comment below and let us know if that's how you want to learn about the length of the sermons. Yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, um, I've lost all train of thought. Well, this week we were in Psalm 139, and your title was God Pursues Us. God Pursues Us. Would you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, I guess, a big picture summary? Or, I don't know. We haven't done this in so long. I forgot how we yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved the little Hebrew definition of search. So there's a phrase that appears two or three times. God, you've searched me, searched my heart. Um, and it's a phrase that usually is used in Hebrew for things that are unsearchable. And so it's just kind of an interesting contrast that here it's like it's God doing the searching and he does know us and he does search us. And so just that idea that God pursues a relationship with us. He knows us absolutely, but wants us to be in relationship with him. Um, that's, that was pretty cool. Just God's God's desire for a relationship with his creation is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Any big things for anybody before we go point by point? I have a quiz, a quiz for the gallery here. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-oh. I'd like to hear y'all's feedback on this. Do you find it odd when people ask you a lot of questions and want to get to know you? Or do you find it like comforting and, you know, complimentary when people want to get to know you and ask you a lot of questions? I think we have a desire to be known, mm. but we also have a great fear that if you really knew, mm. you wouldn't like me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, the cure, right? Isn't that there? It is one of their things, yeah. Big theme, yeah. Uh, I think for me, it depends on the person. Mm, yeah. So, like, it could feel really sketchy and like somebody's trying to, like, do bad things, I guess. But if mm. it's somebody that... I don't know. It feels like they're supposed to know you, then it feels mm-hmm. good and right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it depends on whether you're in what kind of relationship you're in with that person. Mm-hmm. How much do you trust them with knowing you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I guess I would go with it depends on if they actually care about the answer. Sure. Like, if they value what what I'm about, I'm going to say because I can I can read that pretty fast. It's like because yeah, there can be conversations like oh they're just checking boxes. Doesn't really matter what I say. I'm just gonna yeah. So, but yeah, it depends on the person. Depends on if they care. Yeah, depends on what they're going to do with the information. 
Mm-hmm. All you big tech companies trying to steal my identity. <laughs> but, I don't want to answer your questions. But what if you couldn't know any of the answers to any of the questions before you started? Mm. You couldn't know mm. what their motive was, or you couldn't know... Mm. Does that make a difference? It does, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it comes down to how shameful I'm feeling, or how not shameful I'm feeling in the moment, or that's the me thing, and then the them is, yeah, how safe or not safe are they? Those seem to be the key. Those two factors seem to vary, you know. If I'm feeling secure, I don't have any problem revealing myself to a unsafe person. <laughs> I'll still be guarded, probably, but, you know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But, yeah, it makes a difference. Both, I think both sides makes a difference. I just remember this incident happened. I hadn't seen this guy in the military for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And we were sit- I was sitting eating lunch someplace, and he happened to walk in. Mm-hmm. And in the space of five minutes, he asked me three times how I was doing. Hmm. <laughs> it was like he never listened to the answer. He just didn't care. <laughs> it just... He's just saying stuff. Right. Mm. Mm. That's tough. Mm. Is there, is there, there's no theological word for God has a good memory. Is there, that's Mm. part of the omniscience Mm. package. Um, Yeah. Omni-memory. Omni-memonic. It's good though. I hadn't thought about that. I appreciate that God remembers the answers. That's that's good. Mm. well this is all part of your first point that god knows us right this is kind of what you you started with talking about uh how it makes you feel that god knows you Mm -hmm. yeah bring comfort or fear right Mm -hmm. kind of idea yeah and it's uh robert alter made the point that the hymn me in language if the rest of the context of the psalm was not already a a sense of wonder and care and love, that that phrase by itself would be taken as like a hunter, something very aggressive, something very dangerous. But he says, it's really, it's just strong, and it's in the context of his love for us and his creative, you know, shaping artist, potter. It's in that context. And so that that takes verse five. You hem me in behind before you lay your hand upon me. And it's no longer dangerous, but it's actually safe. It's um, <clears throat> very interesting. Because a lot of times we read these psalms and we're like, hmm, this sounds good. Or this sounds bad. You know, things sound positive or negative to us, depending mm-hmm. on our context and our reading. And so I thought that was interesting to see a, a language scholar say, yeah, it does. It, it depends on the rest of the verses. It sounds scary without the rest of the verses. But with the rest of the verses, it's it's good. It really does uh, match some of the things from the cure that mm-hmm. talk about how do you view God? Mm-hmm. Do you view him as standing away from you <laughs> in a mm-hmm. posture of I'm watching you? Mm-hmm. Or do you view him as with you, mm-hmm. caring for you, nurturing you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's interesting throughout the whole sermon. I don't know where this fits. Maybe you can slather this on throughout, Dave, but. I knew there was at least one uh, one unbeliever that that was in the room. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was kind of listening with his ears to this and trying to say, like, how do how would you describe God's pursuit? Or how would you, you know, like, what what does that viscerally feel like? How does that how do you experience that? Which is which is dangerous territory, but important as well. You know, it's kind of like a open handed thing, I think, like. We, we believe by faith that these words are true, mm. but at the same time, there's a bridge somewhere between what it feels like is happening or, or what, what does that translate to? So if, even if we know, if we, even if we believe, okay, these words are true, what's that going to feel like in real life or, you know, God searching us? What is that? Yeah, I, anyway, all, all these things. So maybe, I don't know, I was just thinking throughout the whole sermon, how do you explain that to someone? Um what should they expect, I guess, is a good way to put it. Because I think often Christians have a hard time um, 
describing even even just becoming a believer or what being a believer is like we have a hard time describing that we either oversell it or undersell it or yeah so anyway i know that's that's not really a question but i think throughout that was the the, where my head was at was like huh interesting so yeah for this guy what does that mean god has searched and known him yeah and and it it kind of feels like it goes back to it's what i was almost hinting at when uh i asked what if you couldn't know anything about the character of the person Mm -hmm. who was asking the questions but what i was kind of getting towards is that we can know the character of this person and we do know the Mm. character of god who searches and knows us right so we Mm. know it's searching without ill intent right it's knowing Mm -hmm. fully and in knowing loving right like it's Mm -hmm. anyways so i think being able to know the character of the person affects how you should feel when uh, Mm -hmm. you know that they're searching you Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah, and I think we classically talk about how our attitude towards God changes once we understand the gospel. So if you've heard the gospel or understood the gospel, then then that settles it. You know, and there's obviously a lot of other places in Scripture where God's kindness and love towards us are explained. But the gospel is biblically like the ultimate, like, oh, okay, God took your punishment, gives you his, his righteousness, his wholeness, his life. And so he's pursuing you with your good in mind, you know, and that that settles the the character of the pursuer. Um, and that, you know, that's why we proclaim that message, because that that's what changes our attitudes towards God. I think part of feeling squirmy, too, is that we know we're guilty, right? So, mm, yeah, yeah, we th- we think the person pursuing us is looking for guilt and we know we're guilty mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah mm. that's the uh yeah for like rule followers that moment when you drive by a cop and you're like uh, uh, what, what was i doing wrong i'm doing right i now. did yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure he was doing something he can get me for yeah i don't know not everybody feels that but <laughs> yeah if that's what if you see god as a cosmic cop that's a yeah that's a scary place to be he's just looking for for your mistakes well, and trauma plays into this, right? So if you if you were raised around people that did not have your best interest in mind, mm. that's that's going to color then the way you react to people versus if you were raised predominantly, you know, we all have a mix, but some of us have had more hard things and some less hard things in our childhood. So, um, yeah. That's part of the relearning process, I think, of, of personal mm-hmm. growth. It's like, okay, not everybody is out to get me, even though maybe our childhood formed us just to think that way. Um, it does. It's, it brings up an interesting question to me, too, of like, yeah, like you said, the background, the history of our own lives affects this. Like, And just wondering about David's journey, you know, like thinking how, how God, you know, poured this knowledge into him and through his, you know, is growing up and yeah anyway that's a whole probably other conversation but yeah well yeah i mean i think one one way to read the psalms is the journal of someone recovering from ptsd you know that they've been Mm -hmm. multiple times attacked and pursued wrongly (laughs) um saul his son you know other foreign armies so uh, that's a lot of a lot of the context of a lot of the psalms. So not every single psalm; mm-hmm. they're not all written by David, but that's a, a lot of them have that context. Mm-hmm. Cool, that's good stuff. What else about God knowing us? Mm-hmm. I mean, your application was prayer. Did you further that? I know on Thursday you had talked yeah. about digging deeper into d- more application. I I tried to kind of just go more quickly. I, I mentioned prayer real quickly, you know, basically our posture, prayer, are we hiding? Or are we going towards him? And then that, that was the transition into the second point, because the second point starts with, where can I hide? You know, where can I flee? Um, so they, they kind of melded together a little bit. Um, God's knowledge of us and God's presence with us are both, you know, part of the bigger theme of, of this pursuit 
of a God who's pursuing us. So yeah, I talked about prayer briefly. Do we talk to him or not? Do we do we move towards him and reveal ourselves to him, or do we keep hiding? You know, it's like which posture are we taking? Mm, but how could you hide from someone who's omnipresent? Mm. He's everywhere. Mm. Even if you go to the depths of Sheol. Sheol? Mm. Sheol. Mm-hmm. Sheol. 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 So are we yeah. at the second point? I think we're at the second point, man. They 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 run together. You can't you can't hide from him. Nowhere you can go. He's there. I'm gonna call him out. Lucas Turner just texted me and his text starts by saying, I know you're recording right now. You think that's not gonna distract me? <laughs> the answer to your question is talk to Chris, because I have no clue what I'm doing. If you're right. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so we're on the second point, talking about omnipresence, and I thought I had do not disturb on, but I guess I didn't. All right. <laughs> God is present with us. Are you there? Sheol, omnipresence. I don't know what we already said. We said some of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Omnipresence. Not pantheism. Uh, he's not actually in the rocks. And the tree. You know, there's the creator-creation distinction, mm-hmm. but he's everywhere. Mm. Yeah, I'm just I'm just struck by the how hard it is to escape a human view of God, um, you know. And yeah, I've been been in the church and been a believer for a long time, and so I've you know these omniscience and omnipresence things are are familiar to me. But but yeah, I just think it, yeah, imagining how hard it is. It's so it's such like. For someone encountering this for the first time and for someone actually trying to continue to hold on to it, it's like, this is too good to be true. Like, there's no way he knows everything. There's no way he's everywhere. What does that even mean, right? Like, nothing can be everywhere and know everything. It's it's just so, yeah, it's incomprehensible when you actually kind of try to get down to, like, like actually believing it, actually thinking, okay, yep, he just knows it all. I, I don't know. Trying to get out of churchy headspace and say, man, when you're making that transition, that's got to be just beautiful and a struggle to really believe. Yeah, I could see how it could be really scary that somebody is everywhere mm. and knows everything. Like, Especially, mm. like you said, if there's trauma, Dave, right? Like, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be terrifying. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I like how the psalmist expresses things that really are scary to us and probably in some ways are scary to the psalmist, but comes back to wonder, you know, comes back to praise and wonder through the process. And I think that's why the psalms are so helpful because it's like, Working it out, you know, like the verbal processing, like Chris is saying, oh, how can this be possible? And how does this even work? But this seems this seems to be who you are. And, you know, as we work through this and then come back to you, but you are safe. You're the one person I absolutely cannot escape, but you're also the one person I shouldn't want to escape. You know, I shouldn't want to flee from. Well, I think it goes too to the personal relationship because we try and think of it in the broad terms of, well, he knows everything everybody is thinking. He knows mm. everything ev- that everybody is doing. Mm. It It is incomprehensible. Mm. But when you think of it in terms of, he knows me. He, mm. he cares about what I'm doing. Mm. Uh, it becomes much more uh, intimate. Mm. And therefore, we, we know if he cares about me, then he can be trusted. Mm. Uh, and I think, yeah, we can get lost and think about how in the world can you think of eight billion people? Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the the personal nature of it is really important. Yeah, it's which is you know we're 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 an overly self obsessed culture, overly individualistic, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But but this is one of those texts that is pushing us to think of God caring for us as an individual. You know, like that's mm-hmm. that's what we're supposed to do with this text. And we're supposed to be amazed by it. 
Back to verse, what was it, verse six. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Just this, like, I, this is more than my brain can handle, and it's wonderful, too. It's not just, it's not just hard to understand, but it's, it's genuinely wonderful. And that was one of your applications, right? It was just wonder in it, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't, don't run. Wonder, enjoy, come back mm-hmm. to praise and wonder. You didn't say that in your mm-hmm. sermon. You said that today, but. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the, that was definitely a part of it. There was a cool quote about, well, there's no God forsaken. Someone shared with me after the sermon. Uh, it's a Wendell Berry quote. So Wendell Berry is a poet and, an, and a novelist who's a Christian and writes kind of from a like, I don't know, very creation oriented. He's a farmer and, you know, he's very into like knowing the land and that kind of thing. But he says, there are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. So like all of creation is sacred. And then sometimes we desecrate it. We mess it up. Uh, and that kind of goes along with the idea that God is everywhere. God, God makes everything, you know, wonderful by his presence. And then humans by our sin, by not honoring his presence, make places bad. And that was part of the point I was trying to get at with a God forsaken place is how we talk about it usually, but really it's a human forsaken place. You know, it's like a, oh, we ruined this place mm-hmm. is usually what's going on in, in human geography. You yeah. do a pretty good job of ruining places too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I think I was thinking about the the beauty and the importance of the authority of scripture. This, These truths that that exists outside of ourselves and outside of our feeling in a, in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think the question like you kind of addressed when you're looking back on say trauma, we've said that a lot already, but yeah, if you're looking back on hard moments in your life, there is that question, were you there too? You know, mm-hmm. were you there then? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen, um, you know, by faith and, and the people as God is, revealing himself to them say oh yeah i see i see that you were there it was just my inability to perceive it or mm-hmm. or to believe it at the time um so it's so important that our experience is not the thing that is above scripture scripture mm-hmm. tells us what's true and then we that informs our experience and then uh the past once we reach that point the past informing our future is kind of what mm-hmm. i think david is is talking through a, a lot, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. saying, I mean, he doesn't go, he doesn't, I don't think he says like, Oh, you were there with me back then. But we know that he's, he's wrestling with this. Like, I've know that this pattern has been true, that you have, you have always been near me. And so I can always trust you to <clears throat> be near me. Um, I think that's so, that's so huge for us. Even, even as we kind of approach the idea of church and, and so much these days we're, we're trying to on Sundays, you know, chase after this, this feeling of God's nearness, you know, mm. and it really, even that is, that's the opposite. So when, when things are hard, we tend to think God's not here. Mm-hmm. And when things are great, it's, Oh, God is here. When I feel, when I feel that he's here, he's here. Mm. But there's, the, that's neither of those things is the, is the litmus test, right? <laughs> Scripture is the litmus test of, and it's like, he's there, man, he's there. And we got to be, you know, hold, hold both of those things loosely and, and let scripture talk back at it to our hearts. Um, anyway, yeah, just some, I'm thankful though, that that's not true. You know, that just when we feel it, that doesn't change the truth of it. Mm-hmm. Anything after that point too, God being omnipresent. Hmm. Hard truths. Point three. Point God three. makes us. This was your, uh, your, uh, I guess your ultimate point, bringing you to the point of the week, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Much more of the emphasis on dignity and the sanctity of life in the womb. 
I was gonna ask Kendrick if he was here, if we could just play Black Girl, Black Boy. Mm. But, uh, I think he wouldn't care, but I, uh, <laughs> I don't have it at the ready, so. <laughs> mm. All right, God makes us. What does that even God. mean? How does he make us? I'm confused. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating how we... I don't know if y'all have heard this much, but kind of the atheist argument of the God of the gaps. And so since we're smart people that know how things work, that means we know God doesn't exist. Because the only reason we ever needed God before was to explain stuff we didn't understand, you know? <laughs> Which is a really bizarre... When you think about it, it's bizarre that people would think that's the only purpose that God serves, but um, that was a pretty common uh, common argument from the angry atheists of the last, you know, 10, 20 years. There's been, you know, a lot more books about the ridiculousness of faith. And I'm hearing weird interference noise. Do y'all yeah, hear that too? Huh. A lot of noise all of a sudden. It's Dave's air conditioner blowing into my office just to kind of take care of that. Oh, it got really loud. It was like... <laughs> God is with you even now, Jim. Even <laughs> as the AC is blowing on your head. Is he in the storm? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's a presuppositional thing, right? Like, we're going to suppose God's not real, and then we need to come up for, with a reason why humans invented God. So the reason they invented was a perceived need, and now the perceived need is going away, so God, we don't need God anymore. So God doesn't exist anymore and he never did yeah it's, it's a logical loop for sure <laughs> start beginning with god doesn't exist so let's explain why we ever thought he did mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dangerous place to be what is it god's dead and we killed him mm. or i killed him what is it mm. is that nietzsche yeah nietzsche said something like that mm-hmm. god is dead there's se- several folks have said versions of that Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Seems like a similar idea. Yeah. So, I mean, the scripture says there are processes. Babies do grow in the womb. You know, the scripture affirms physical processes, biology, physics. It's not a science textbook, so it doesn't go into all the details, but affirms that there are secondary processes and affirms, you know, God's sovereignty over these processes and his involvement intimately here specifically the growth of a child in the womb is the specific working of god the the artistic handiwork of god and you know there are a lot of other similar things taught throughout scripture but you know this text just trying to focus in on um life matters it's important this is why we speak up for the sanctity of life and it has been a traditional christian position um abortion was happening you know, in the first and second century, and Christians were speaking out on it then. And um, there are other texts you can go to in the Old Testament, you know, about the honoring of life in the womb as as real life. Uh, and so I'd say one of the biggest arguments from a secular standpoint is if you're not sure, <laughs> you should consider it life. You know, like that's what blows my mind. People are like, we're not sure, so let's kill it. And I'm like, no, it seems like if you're not sure, you should not kill that life. Um, And I also thought it was really important just to consider how in the current political climate, because we've have a growing divisiveness and a growing, like, uh, you know, just some appalling behavior by pro-life candidates brings more and more to the forefront that this can sometimes be used as a political football and so the argument is, because this is a political football, we shouldn't care that much about it or shouldn't matter that much. And I was trying to make the point that something's abuse doesn't mean we shouldn't use it. You know, because something can be abused doesn't mean we never deal with that something. We just go, yeah, everything can be abused. And yes, this has been abused and this has been used to manipulate. This has been sometimes uh, an obsessive issue that people have gotten weird about and Christians should care about all of life for sure. I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. But it's still a really important issue. Um, And I think that's something we need to continue to 
to teach the next generation because you know the next generation is being educated by all these other voices that are like ah it doesn't matter and there are these other things that are more important and so it was important to me to emphasize the importance of this issue mm-hmm. yeah it makes me think of uh the old rich mullen song i think he took it from a creed but he's talking we're singing this creed and he says i did not make it no it is making me mm-hmm. and it's this important thing of like we didn't come up with this and it doesn't rest on, you know, the shoulders of the, of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can be flawed people because this truth is coming from God. And so it's like on some level people, um, understand that, yeah, they want someone to speak with authority, but then all of all humans are flawed. Mm. And so we we're saying, well, we, we got this from the the one unflawed one, you know, the only one who is unflawed handed this to us mm. and that we have to submit to it and everyone has to submit to it. And we mm. reality submits to it, whether we like it or not. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah. it's interesting too. like this, this wonderfully made idea. It's, I was just thinking there's such this strong stream in, in, you know, secular Western culture of you're enough, you're beautiful, you're, mm. you're perfect just as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've taken out the God made, <laughs> made you part. So it's like, like the, these, that first 14, I praise you for beautifully <laughs> and wonderfully made wonderful are your works. It's like we, even in, even in like sort of progressive Christian circles, we want to hold on to the wonderfulness, but not hold on to the madeness, I guess. Um, You're a wonderful accident. Yeah, yeah. You're so wonderful. But anyway, I don't know. That's just, that's an interesting thing. It's like we that just a continuation of taking God, the main character, out of every situation and out of every yeah. concept. Like, nope, it's just us, and we're just wonderful. We weren't made by anyone. We're just wonderful. You're you're wonderful. Um. But also, though, that, that there's a there's a dare I say a little bit of hypocrisy there of saying, well, if you're wonderful and perfect and great, just as you are, that unborn child is as well. Right. Like there is this beautiful potential. So it, <laughs> at least there should be some some measure of consistency of like um, if you're going to ascribe to the wonderfulness of people. Yeah, you got to you got to really think hard on on mm-hmm. that 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 baby that's going to become you know be born mm. become become <laughs> just sit right where you are you are if if you don't do anything yeah and it's a risk right because people are messy yeah and some babies that are born are going to do bad things Mm-mm. some babies that are born are going to do good things you know most will do a mix of both and but god still places value on human life and says we should also value it and um <clears throat> yeah the scale yeah it's just there's yeah there's so much to it i think number one that god's willing to take the risk on us and wants us to do the same i've, I've said this many times before when people have children it's an act of faith it's kind of crazy to have children you know in a world of zombies and pandemics and evil and disease and we all do it you know and i think some years are scarier than other years and people probably do have more pause and like, mm, I don't know about that. You know, there are, there are people that go all the way to like, I'm not bringing a child into this world. You know, some people actually go that far, but the average person just kind of rolls along and we have kids and do the best we can. And, um, only God can make that work. You know, it's, <laughs> we don't, we don't have enough gear. We don't have enough science we don't have enough education to really make the human project work. We need God. We need supernatural intervention. But God says to keep keep doing it and trusting him and, and trying mm. to love kids and, and honor them. That's so good. I think that's too, also that made me think of the chipping away of the worldview. Um, we, we, so we as believers know that that children have eternal souls, that all people have eternal souls, mm. which brings this weightiness, extra weightiness to the decision. So we've watched the, the culture drift to, well, maybe there's no, you know, there's nothing spiritual at all. We just, we die and it's over. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, ending a life isn't quite as big of a deal to, to a secular mind as it is to 
the believers, right? Like that's that's a huge deal. What you're what you're undertaking as a parent, which, like you said, is scary because we know that's uh, yeah, good for good or for bad. We're eternal. Um, but yeah, what a what a good encouragement that God says, keep going. And <laughs> trust me, man, that's that's so good. <laughs> I think that you, I was I was really encouraged too by the. I I just hadn't really like dwelt on verse 16 in a while Mm. in your book book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me Mm. when as yet there was none of them like Mm. it just it brings home it takes god's sovereignty from a like you said sort of abstract he knows everything to he knows me and an abstract he knows the future and all the all all time to he knows my time. He he mm-hmm. he knows my days. He knew knows this day. Um, mm. That's that's such a big encouragement. Mm. Yeah. So what mm. were what were some of your practical things that people could do, Dave? Now, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Like yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's a the model of a crisis pregnancy center is common in a lot of urban areas. We have a group called Hope Pregnancy Center here in Bell County. There's, uh, well, Bell, Coriel, the Fort Hood area. We've got Temple location, clean location, and Copper's Cove location. For a while, we had two clean locations, but I think they consolidated that into one. And so they take practical steps to help women that are facing unwanted um, pregnancies. They help them with pregnancy tests. They do ultrasounds. They, you know, have, have a pantry, you know, diapers and formula, and, you know, try to supply people take care of their particular needs, mentoring, training classes, um, you know, the full scale of like helping people and bridging that gap where this is where the church, universal church, you know, many churches are involved in this Hope Pregnancy Center, comes alongside hurting people and says, we will help you do this hard thing that you're scared of. Um, We'll help you pull this off. And so I highly recommend giving towards them uh, financially, but also trying to volunteer with them. They, they have a volunteer training program coming up in February and we'll, we'll kind of announce that more, maybe put it on Facebook and stuff. Um, and then foster love bell County is another organization, but again, represents this idea of either fostering children, uh, helping out the, the social system we already have in place, you know, the foster care and CPS system or adopting kids. Um, but they're kids that need parents. And, uh, and so that's something Christians have always done. And I didn't say it this way in the sermon, but one thing I've heard that's helpful is like, like missions as Christians, we know we're supposed to tell the whole world about Jesus. I think adoption could be seen in a similar light. Like we're still supposed to adopt orphans. And so some of us go or adopt, you know, like some of us go across the world to tell unknown people about Jesus. Some of us support them in prayer um, friendship, financial help. And so I think we could think of adoption as the same way. So you could, you could support through Foster Love Bell County, or you could help friends in the church or friends that are neighbors as they foster and adopt. So I think sometimes it can be overwhelming. We think, well, I can't, if I'm not called to do that, I just don't want to think about it. You know, like I feel bad that I can't adopt a kid, so I'm not going to think about it. Well, I would say we'll help, help other people that are, that are doing it or support an organization like Foster Love Bell County. Um, and then my third thing was just being a culture that loves kids. I think that's the thing that the church, um, the evangelical church tries to do consistently. And we've tried to do is be a place where kids are welcomed, where we train moms and dads to love each other and love their kids. Um, we teach uh, the Bible. We give kids hope, uh, you know, have other programs that help kids with specific needs. But in general, try to build a culture where children are loved and people are trained <laughs> to love kids, right the, right the wrongs that we endured. You know, like if we, we grew up in a messed up family, well, then we got to heal from that and figure out how to love the next generation. You know, I think that's a big part of the discipleship process of every local church. Can somebody plug, who can do it better than me, plug uh, CR? Because I feel like Mm. A lot of stuff we're talking mm-hmm. about, it could be like, well, what if, you know, I've already done that. I've already ruined my life by doing dumb things and not helping people or fill in the blank, you know, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> but can somebody yeah. plug more information about Celebrate Recovery? 
Yeah. They meet yeah. Monday nights, 5.45, Chris. I think they, they have a soft start and a hard start, kind of. Like, mm-hmm. they, they have a hangout time at 5.45 and then a 6.30. They begin with a lesson in worship. So. Mm-hmm. And with that meets at the church on Monday nights. Uh, they're wearing masks and doing social distancing. They have a group time where they go through lessons helping you heal from your past addictions, past hurts, past hangups. And these lessons and testimonies kind of build a track for helping you do that. And then they break into small groups where people share what they're struggling with. So they're training you to depend on other people. So that was one of my, my second points was James 5, 16 or 18? I always forget 16. the first. 16. Um, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And so that's like basic Christian community. So that's the format of CR. CR is a little more structured because you've got a large number of people that are hurting coming together. And so it's all the same things we do in small groups and discipleship, but it's probably just a little more structured to protect people. You know, you got, you got anonymity and you got rules and, you know, training people to not interrupt and speak over each other and training people to share. And then there's a thing called the step study that happens on another night where you can go deeper in, in just dealing with your personal pain, learning to share your own testimony, kind of learning to speak Psalm 139. Okay, God was with me and God can use these things in my life to help me to grow and he, he will redeem me and he does love me. He does have a plan for me. Um, so yeah, it's a great, it's a great program. I did the step study, which is the kind of going deeper study. I did that last year and it was really, really helpful for me personally. There's also for those who have had an abortion and are struggling with guilt and dealing with that. I've gotten to help with three of these retreats called Rachel's Vineyard and Hope Pregnancy Center sponsors those as well. So, you can just talk to Jesus and he will forgive you. <laughs> you don't need a special weekend to be forgiven. But the way we're made as humans, sometimes it's helpful to process in community with other people and work that through uh, in a more systematic way so that Rachel's Vineyard is the weekend retreat for abortion healing and recovery. Is that just for women or for women and men? You know, I think they have options for men. The ones I've done have usually been for women I, uh, I think yeah i think they have some sort of version of that for men um, yeah yeah i just thought it'd be good to plug some resources mm-hmm. uh, i feel like it could feel a little overwhelming going through god knows mm-hmm. us god's present with us god makes us and then mm-hmm. you snuck in a fourth point at your conclusion too uh, mm-hmm. but uh that could be a little overwhelming without knowing okay now what you know mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so your conclusion was that he is jealous for us. And I feel mm-hmm. like you snuck in a fourth point or you tried yeah. to sneak in a fourth point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a weird, like, it feels tacked on to the end. You know, like when you read the poem, poem, what is, how are you supposed to say that? I can never remember. Everybody always mocks me, but I can't remember. I just know I say it wrong. However you um, want, as long as you say it. Okay. <laughs> so this poetry seems to have a little add-on where he's like, slay the wicked, get rid of them, you know, like out of the blue. You're like, wait, what? Um, and so I was trying to say, okay, as we end here with this weird ending, let's see, this is, this is God's still his searching pursuit of us. So I think as we follow the emotional ups and downs of the psalmist, he's, he's like worked up, you know? So like, say with the abortion issue or child abuse, we could be like, God, stop it. You know, like stop abuse, stop people from disregarding the image of God. You know, that's kind of where I see this going emotionally. How dare people be mean? (laughs) Get rid of all meanness, God. But we have to stop and go, oh, wait, that would mean getting rid of me, right? (laughs) That's the gospel turn. Uh, So, God jealously pursues us through the gospel. He's he's punished our sins in Jesus. He's given us resurrection life in Jesus. And so even as we feel rising up within us a hatred of evil that might cause us to want to, you know, like 2020 and heading into 2021, do political violence, break windows, burn down buildings. That's not the answer, you know, like our thought process might go down that track of like, God, I just want to do something and stop evil. Won't you just stop it? 
but the gospel is the tool that God's given us to deal with the evil in the world. And that evil is in our own hearts, right? So 23 and 24 says, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The Christian believes that that's an ongoing process of God rooting out that hatred and evil and wickedness in our own hearts. And so that's, that's part of his ongoing pursuit of us, which is, again, scary because we know our guilt, but um, beautiful because we know God's grace. And so for those, I will add, for those listening, we just came off of a week of scary political violence where Trump supporters like invaded the Capitol and blah, blah, blah. Um, 2020, the previous year, right before this new year, we had lots of protests and burning buildings uh, as well. So it's just been a lot of it happening in a scary way that's that's upsetting. And I think when non-Christian groups and mobs acted like mobs and acted violently in 2020, we were like, man, that's wrong. That's that's not a good idea. Let's not do that. But what was really scary about last week was it was a lot of people doing it in the name of, of Jesus. And that that's, I think, was especially offensive to a lot of Christians. That They were like, okay, we all agree we shouldn't be kicking in windows and burning down buildings. But it's especially frustrating when people do it, saying, we're doing this for Jesus. You know? So, context for those people that found this in the time capsule. Mm-hmm. Probably next week we'll just forget about it all. Everything will be better and it'll be nothing to go. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I don't know what to say. I was going to say uh, if you have any questions or you, you want help finding those resources, feel free to email office at pgrace.org. Or call the office, 254-690-1728. We'd love to help you get plugged in uh, to one of the resources that we mentioned um, and and get you connected. Help you know more fully that God knows you, that he's with you, Mm. that he made you, and that he is jealous for you in a good way. A good jealousy. A good way. A lot of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Anybody have any last minute things? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. And we're planning on being back again next week. So we will see you then.